welcome to Make Change Fun and Easy with your happiness expert, Samia Bano. This is the podcast to help change makers, coaches, trainers, and healers break your chains of fear so you can create the impact and income you desire with fun and ease. Please make sure you subscribe to enjoy every episode. This podcast is sponsored by the Happiness 101 program. Hello, salam, shalom, namaste, satrikal, aloha, hola, ciao, bonjour, buna, and priviat. I'm really, really happy to be with you again, and I know you will be so happy you're joining us today. And I say us because, of course, I have a very special guest, and it's Alison Orlowski, who is a relationship and intimacy coach. Welcome, Alison. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. And you know what? I'm going to have you jump right in and tell us more about who you are and what you do. First of all, I'm super excited to be here and get to have this conversation with you. Um, As you mentioned, I am a relationship and intimacy coach, and I support primarily individuals in leveling up the passion play and partnership in their relationships. I primarily support individuals in that rather than couples, because I think there are so many benefits in really being able to have a space for you to process all of your stuff. And then I get to help empower you to take that to your relationship. So just a little background. Um, So that's what I do, a little background about who I am. I am a mom of three biological children and two bonus kiddos. Um, I am a partner. I am a friend, a a daughter, a wife, um, and I love being all of those things. Um, Let's see, I started out my career in corporate finance. And so lived that whole life of just hectic, go, go, go. Um, You know, lots of deadlines, lots of stress. And I was a single mom. Um, so I forgot to mention I was divorced twice by the time I was 35. So that's kind of what brought me into this field. Um, so after, you know, 20 years in that space, I left a job and I'm like, just don't want to do this anymore. Like what's, what's next for me? Like, this is not the life that I want to live and, um, hired a coach. And it was life-changing to work with a coach and really be able to have someone partner with me, reflect back to me, help me unravel and uncover a lot of the things that had been um, stifled within me for a lot of years as you're just trying to like keep all the balls in the air as a professional woman that's also a mom and and a wife. And... um, So as I moved into coaching, I first did, excuse me, um, executive and leadership coaching because that seemed really practical. Like, okay, I'm using, I'm still using my professional knowledge. And yes, now I get to coach, which is something fulfilling. 
but then I stepped in and really realized a couple years after doing that, that I still wasn't feeling that really fulfilled feeling that I wanted, like, you know, excited to get out of bed in the morning. I still wasn't there. And then it hit me that relationships and supporting people and building really powerful relationships was the thing that I was meant to do. Mm -hmm. And everything that I had experienced and learned through my divorces, through my marriages, through my divorces, mm -hmm. and now in building a really beautiful relationship, yeah. that, that there was a purpose for all of that. And that's how I get to make a difference in this world and experience joy for myself. I love that. And thank you so much for sharing that journey that you took. And, you know, I, I really think like for me personally, uh, I remember one of my mentors um, who's like a business coach asking me this question and it immediately, you know, struck a chord with me where he was like, you know, especially for a lot of us coaches, you know, we get into this work um, because we are so passionate about helping and supporting people. And in terms of, you know, when we're going through our process of trying to figure out, well, who's my ideal client that I want to mm -hmm. really focus on? Sometimes it can feel very confusing, but my coach was like, you know, think about your life experiences and think about where you have actually maybe experienced some of the biggest challenges in your life and learned how to overcome them. You know, that's probably where you're going to be best at helping other people. And so, um, and you know, the, I, for me, that also gives a lot of credibility to the work that you do because you're not just coming from like a theoretical place. You're you're like sharing real wisdom. Like you went through challenges in this arena and learned from them. And, you know, it makes a difference. I know so many <clears throat> therapists, for example, who, um, uh, you know, like the the master's degrees and PhDs, but they don't necessarily have the real life experience in the specific area that they're trying to help a person, given person with. And it makes a difference. It it absolutely makes a difference because I've been on that receiving end of trying to get help from someone that is a professional and supposed to know what they're doing, but they're missing that real life experience of what I need help with. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's just sometimes, I mean, it doesn't always create a disconnect, but it can, you know, so... Yeah, I absolutely, I agree with that. Like the relatability yeah. is powerful because you need to feel safe yeah. um, to be really vulnerable. And if somebody doesn't get you and can't relate to what you're going through, there tends to feel like there's a lot of judgment around it. And that doesn't make people feel safe. And I can absolutely relate to that experience. As I was going through my coach training program, we were assigned coaches. And I did not relate to my coach at all. And um, 
it was a gift. I was frustrated in the moment. I wanted a different coach, but this woman in particular, um, well, she was a great coach in a certain way. The relatability wasn't there and she didn't have children and I had children and there were things that, well, it's not that important or that won't traumatize them. And I'm like, well, no, but it might traumatize me as a mom. Like if I don't get to be present for those experiences, like this is what I work for, <laughs> that I get to be there to celebrate when they play their sports. Yeah. And I get to witness that when I'm taking them to all of these practices, this is my reward is getting to experience that. And if you can't understand and relate to like that, it's, yeah, it's not going to traumatize them, but that's not the point. Right. Yeah. So that was just an example in terms of that relatability and feeling safe. And then I didn't feel safe to like go deeper with her or yeah. share because then it felt like, well, you, you just, you don't get, you don't get it just as you said. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, you know, going through all that I went through, I went through a really messy divorce. I went through, you know, with somebody that like we were in court for years and years and years. And then I was in a very amicable divorce where we co-parented and co-parent in a really healthy way. You know, I dated in my mid thirties, I've blended families, I have, like I've done all of the things. And, um, and so that's what I hope that people, when they choose to work with me, that they get a sense of safety and relatability and that they're not being judged by how it went. Because I also know I was a really good person and I yeah. still ended up with two divorces just because your divorce doesn't mean you're a horrible person. And I think there's a, some of that stigma yeah. out there. Yes. Oh, thank you for bringing that up because that is so true. And, and that's, I think, more true in some cultures for sure than in other cultures. For example, in our Indian Pakistani culture, by our, I mean my, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, my Indian Pakistani culture, divorce is like such a big taboo, especially for women. It's like the men can go do whatever they want with their lives, mess it up in all kinds of ways. You know, but um, society forgives them. But a woman who has been divorced, it's there's huge stigma around that. And, um, you know, I can't tell you like how much drama gets created um, if she wants to get remarried or, you know, enter into a new um, relationship is just really, really not good so that makes me think about my first question mm -hmm. and that is like what in your experience or like some of the or like maybe one of the big reasons why people might have relationship struggles even when it's good people on both sides mm -hmm. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode. Hope you're getting value out of it. For your information, this episode has been sponsored by the Happiness 101 program. Are you a change maker, coach, trainer, or healer? Are chains of fear holding you back from making the impact and income you desire? Using a unique combination of positive psychology and the spiritual wisdom of our most effective change makers, the Happiness 101 program 
helps you break through your limiting beliefs and manifest the abundance and success you desire with fun and ease. Interested? Book a free Happiness 101 exploration call with me, your happiness expert, Samia Vano. Just use my online calendar link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Honestly, I think the biggest reason that probably on some level, the majority of the world struggles with relationships is because we're not actually taught how to be in a relationship. Mm. And what I mean by that is there's, you know, we go through 12 years of, for most people, right? Some sort of elementary education, high school education here in the U.S., college, trade school, technical college. Like there's all of these ways that we get to learn about how to be something, be a doctor, be a drywaller, (laughs) right? Be an accountant. But there's not anything that teaches us how to be a partner or a spouse. Yes. And the best that we have for most of us are our parents. And for some of us, we learn more of what we don't want from them. Yeah. And even for those of us that like our parents may have had a really great relationship, it's what we didn't see. Like, you know, some people like my parents had a great relationship. They never argued. Yeah. Okay. So then either they were holding stuff back or they did have disagreements, but they did it behind closed doors. So you didn't actually get to witness that it's okay to have disagreements and how to have healthy disagreements. Right. Right. Or talk about finances or have conversations about intimacy and sex, like those things that all play into a really powerful relationship. Yes. Yes. So, Ah. yeah. Man, that's such an excellent point. And I am so much in agreement with you. Because, oh, you know, as a happiness expert, when I think about, like, why are so many people struggling with their happiness? And a lot of that, you know, does relate to our not being able to have healthy, happy relationships. Mm-hmm. Um I also think it's because of that lack of education. It's like, who's actually teaching you and when about how to be happy, how to have healthy relationships, how to have, you know, like um, healthy communication in your relationships. And, you know, it's like you just get expected to absorb somehow through a life experience. (laughs) the learnings about these things but um what if you don't have healthy models you know especially that can be a huge challenge but even if you have healthy models like you said uh, you can't always figure it out just by you know being there like sometimes you need explicit um explicit teaching Mm -hmm. yeah i i think that is so I think it's the missing, one of the biggest missing pieces. And I think, you know, we sit and struggle and suffer, you know, with happiness and with our relationships, right? They're so integrated, happiness and relationships. And, and I focus on romantic relationships, you know, marriages, but it, it can be a relationship with your family, with coworkers, like all of your relationships, like our life is a big bowl of spaghetti, right? You can't just like 
pull out one piece and it doesn't have sauce and meatballs and all the stuff on it. Like it's all intertwined. Yes. And so from that place, but because there's also this one, I think the education isn't out there and that's what you and I are trying to do, right? Is, is change that. And then also the, the stigma, like trying to like break down that there's something wrong with me if I need support or help. Right. And it, and it's bigger than, you know, mental health is this new awareness that we're creating and we're trying to shift that getting supported with our mental health is just as valuable. Like, why do we, we go to the doctor when, you know, we sprain an ankle, why don't we go, you know, to a therapist or a counselor or a coach when, you know, we experience some level of trauma or challenge or right. We, there's a different experience or a stigma with that. And I think, you know, the opportunity is to like actually be proactive and say, hey, instead of waiting till we're like all falling apart, (laughs) right? And going to the doctor and being like, there's 60 things wrong with me. Yeah. We don't think anything about going to college. That's so normal. Everybody goes to college. What do you mean? You don't know how to be a doctor. You have to go to college to be a doctor, says no one ever. So to really write like on this proactive side, like, what do you mean you don't know be how you don't know how to be happy? Yeah. What that feels like, what that experience is, how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like, the majority of people in this world, I would not say would classify themselves as happy. Yeah. Right. Or that their relationships, I mean, in the U.S. alone, 50 percent of marriages end up in divorce. And how many more people are just sitting there suffering, yeah. unwilling to get divorced, right? So how many, what's the percentage of people that are actually in great relationships? Right. The right. minority, right? And I think the same thing is true with happiness. And so the opportunity for you and I is to go out there and change the world. Indeed, indeed. And that's what we're working on. So, okay, so we have a problem that we have identified in terms of uh, lack of education. And really, you know, I, I, I love this problem because it's a, it's a nice problem to solve. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if, if lack of education is a problem, guess what? There's lots of education out there or people who have that ability to help you get that education and so forth. So it's a nice problem to solve. And so when we, when, when you start helping people solve this problem, what's uh, one of your favorite lessons to teach them? Oh, so many good ones. I think hmm, I have to pick one. I think one of my favorite lessons because it's also it's an empowering one is um ultimately and this is how i put it double down on your self-worth to level up your relationship Mm. right and that ties so well into happiness right that when we can understand our own value inherently and we can love ourselves um, and that can be a whole nother conversation because I know self-love, like everybody hears the idea, but what does that really mean? Yeah. So we can talk about that another time, but when you can fully love yourself and understand your worth for yourself and take care of your, and know that you're worthy of having your needs met mm-hmm. and taking care of your needs, 
it creates a standard that other people need to, that you set for yourself of how you will be treated. Mm. Right. And that then other people are more like, they will honor how you need to be treated, but that it also takes, so you get to have your needs met and it also takes the pressure off the relationship for someone to try and be a mind reader, for someone to always anticipate your needs, for someone to always do enough yeah, for you to feel loved. Right. Right, that you're creating this unwinnable experience mm. when you put that all on someone else. Mm. Yes, okay, so actually, I'm, I'm seeing like two really important issues here in what you've mentioned. So the first really important question that I would love to dig deeper into with you is, I mean, again, I'm in agreement with you about how important it is for us to have self-love and that really solid sense of self-worth. Um, and I think my question is sort of like around the challenge that we can experience in cultivating self-love and cultivating self-worth because again, I mean, maybe it's again part of that lack of education issue. But if like I think back um, to my experiences, especially when I was younger and I think about, okay, how did I even begin to have any sense of how worthy I am or how lovable I am? A lot of it had to do with the feedback that I thought I was getting from the world mm -hmm. about, about me and how good or not good I am. So like, for example, I got some good feedback about me. Like I've always been a good student in school. Mm -hmm. I got good grades. So I knew... I was like, good that way. Uh, but there were other areas of my life where I didn't get good feedback. Um, you know, like, well, <laughs> things got a little complicated because I'm a trauma survivor. And so after I experienced my trauma of being sexually abused as a child, I had a huge uh, personality change. And um, I didn't tell people in my family about you know the trauma I'd experienced and they were lost as to uh, being able to understand why I had such a change in my personality but I got lots of flack about that you know it was like Samia you're being rude Samia you know why don't you do this and why don't you do that and you used to be like this and you used to be like that but now you're not so good anymore in those ways that you used to be so good. And, um, you know, and so then it made me think I'm bad in all of these ways. And it made me feel bad about myself. And, you know, it sort of like became a part of, you know, like how I related to myself mm -hmm. uh, for a long time. And until I, you know, put in some serious time and effort and gain more understanding about trauma and started healing my trauma, I couldn't quite overcome that uh, sense of, yeah, I'm not good enough to be loved because, you know, I've become bad. 
and um like i just thought i'd become bad i didn't when i was younger i didn't put two and two together right. and think oh i've changed because of the trauma i didn't i just you know i didn't i didn't even get to put that together until much much later so like so much of our sense of self-worth and self-love comes from you know the from our relationships around us and so how do you actually i mean it feels like in some ways it's like a like a double bind kind of a situation it's like yeah right so i hear what you're asking yeah and okay. so um <laughs> unfortunately it's 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 a learning experience, right? To your point, the maturity level of that child that did nothing wrong, that went through this trauma and then experienced this over here, the maturity level of that brain at that point in time is not one that's going to be like, yeah, I'm still worthy and lovable. So unfortunately, it, this is something that most adults will have to work through to actually experience. Because what we have to do is get to the truth of who we are mm. outside of anybody else's judgment right and, and and it's a process it's usually not a light switch that just oh i see that i got it done yes. <laughs> right but it's it's unlayering it's taking off all of those old identities that people gave us yeah about who we are and for us to recognize that's not who I am, those truths, those things aren't true about me. I'm not bad, right? And 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 again, this is often where I will suggest you get support for this. You get a therapist, you get a coach, you know, um, a, a support group of some sort. This is typically not something you're gonna go it alone. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a traumatic experience, right? But to have somebody to go through and figure out your self-worth, yeah. but to have somebody that can walk back and walk by you and reflect back, hey, I noticed this thing and, and ask you questions and, and help you get to the truth of who you are, you know, and, and I see self-love as a component, like there's four pillars that create self-love. Uh-huh. So, because a lot of people think of self-care as self-love, right? Okay, if I go to the gym, I eat healthy, I meditate, journal, whatever. Yeah. Like that means I'm loving myself. Those are actions. And yes, you are. But it's one pillar yeah. of self-love. There's self-care. There's self-trust. Self-worth. Mm -hmm. And self-forgiveness. Ah, so when you can start to look at each one of those pillars and 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 trust who you are, trust yeah. what's right for you, trust what you need, trust mm. where your boundaries are, right? And then you can step into that self-care and then know your worthiness by the nature of you being here on this earth. You being a living, breathing human, you are worthy. Like, but that's, it's take to get that concept to like really, because we are so taught to earn, improve and behave in a certain way in order to get that love from someone outside. 
right? Because that's usually what we're looking for. We're looking for that from outside of us to tell us that, um, just so you know, you're muted. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure. Um, so, and then forgiveness of all the things that we did do, we didn't do, that we took on, that you know, weren't ours to take on all of the, like the things that we sit and hold on and beat ourselves up for, um, from the past to be able to actually forgive ourselves and let that go. All of those things are components of loving yourself. Yeah. Ah, thank you for bringing that up because I agree with you. Like so often there is a sense of confusion and conflating, self-love with self-care and just reducing self-love to those specific ways of self-care mm -hmm. um and i love the that you you recognize um the self-forgiveness piece as one of the pillars of mm -hmm. self-love oh that's like yeah. i i know like for me that was like huge like huge because I think like as a trauma survivor of child sexual abuse, like forgiving myself was in some ways one of the most difficult um, aspects of my healing process. Mm -hmm. It's like I was so afraid uh, to like, well, one of the reasons I was so afraid to share with anyone about the trauma I had experienced was because I thought no one would be able to love me anymore because it was just so horrendous and it was all my fault. And if people found out, that would be the end of anyone being able to love me. And, um, you know, uh, but actually, you know, when I did start sharing uh, with people, uh, it took me a long time. And like my first person I told, and then it took me 10 years to tell my second person, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but thankfully, at least, uh, I mean, I'm very grateful. It doesn't always happen. Uh, so I'm very, very thankful. Both the first person I told reacted in a very positive, supportive way. And then the second person I told also reacted in a positive, supportive way. And then um, the second person, well, the first person was a psychologist on, on my college campus. The second person was my sister. And then thankfully, after that, things got very easy, much easier for me in terms of telling people, because then I just asked my sister for help. And I was like, you have to help me tell the rest of our family because I can't do it on my own. And my sister is this wonderful, brilliant um, I mean, she's my relationship expert, <laughs> um, you know, and so she helped me manage all of that in a way that, um, I think actually, like, for example, when, when I shared what I had to share with my parents, I mean, of course you can imagine how shocked they were and so forth, but thanks to the guidance I got and the support I got from my sister became so much easier and for me that was like so eye-opening that yes the some of these worst fears that I had were just you know in my yeah. imagination and really 
um it, it wasn't even like my parents were like oh we forgive you no they were like no it's not your fault samia we see that so there wasn't the issue of them forgiving me didn't even come up <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it was like oh my god it's just me i need i needed to forgive myself mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah those are those are life altering experiences right and in, in all of the ways the trauma was life altering and then holding on to it and then you know even sharing and realizing that um yeah how our fear how our ego takes over right thinks it's keeping us safe tricks us into think that we're safe or in that place than being really vulnerable and open yeah. um and that the greatest gift you could give yourself right was sharing that and saying this is what i need and i matter enough that i don't have to carry this anymore by myself yeah right and it can feel super scary and that's why i just thank god for your sister yeah. right that you had support because it doesn't mean that we're supposed to go through this life like to know your own needs does not mean you need to provide all of your own needs <laughs> just knows you need to know them so that you can ask for support and help um and that you were able to change your life is my hunch right from what you shared and be able to move into this space that you can talk about being a happiness expert that's right that's right (laughs) right yeah yeah so you're a beautiful example of what it looks like because there's levels of self-love it's not either you love yourself or you don't yes right there's a spectrum and it may ebb and flow depending upon what's going on in our life and you know, and the new thing, right? Like I shouldn't say the new, but maybe I'm in a really good place. And all of a sudden I put on 30 pounds, all of it, like, and it might seem like I'm really hard on myself and what's going wrong. Right. And that just is challenging us yeah, to step into a new level of self-love because it might be self-acceptance, which is a part of self-worth. Uh-huh. It might be, I need to step into more self-care and like take more mm-hmm. time for me. Right. But those places are just challenging us, but we kind of go here and then we come back and then we move, you know, (laughs) like that's so normal. Yeah. In that, you know, experience of self-love, it's not a one and done thing. Like, okay, I've I've got it figured out and I'm done. I love that point. I love that point because, oh my gosh, it actually, um, yeah. So it's like identify what you do love about yourself and you can then sort of build on that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I'm sure that like, even like, in uh, as I was sharing, even in my old days, when I had lots of issues with myself, I knew there were some good things about me for sure. Like I knew I was a good student. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I hope uh, everyone can find something mm-hmm. and identify something in themselves that they, they can be like, yeah, I know this is good about me. You know, mm-hmm. but then it's just, oh, I love that. I love that. Okay, cool, cool. So any other um, tips or thoughts or ideas on how we can, uh, or like lessons that you love to share with your people uh, and now our audience about how we can just love ourselves more and better? Um, I think from the place of loving yourself more and better, um, you know, we talked about the pillars yeah. and I think just as part of the self-forgiveness 
and it, it's a flavor. It's not necessarily forgiveness per se, but I just, I think the opportunity to give ourselves grace, mm. right? To not, we are so hard on ourselves again, from a place of trying to prove to be good enough, all of the things. And even on this journey of self-love, we can actually like backhandedly self-sabotage ourselves. Mm by then saying, I'm not doing it well enough. I'm not doing it fast enough. I'm not doing it right. Oh, I screwed that up. I, why can't I get this concept? It seems so, you know, self-trust. Why can't I trust myself in this way? I can see that I don't, why? So why can't I just do it? Yeah. Right, instead of understanding that there's layers to it and that there's things behind it that, um, again, the intellect might be able to see, but the way that our heart and our subconscious behave and process, that it's not that easy and it doesn't have to be this hard arduous like painful process but it does need intention and it needs yeah. attention right? Like, right. i'm not trying to scare people away from creating self-love yeah. but that um yeah it, sometimes it can be it can be triggering because if we're wired in that yeah. good enough proving do it right perfectionist kind of personality then that's a tough thing to work on I hear you. And you know, because this show is about making change for any of these, I have to ask you. So I think you already gave us a bit of a clue by talking about giving ourselves grace. Is there anything else that we can do to make this process more fun and easy? I love the mantra. So this is maybe more of a mindset shift, which yeah. I know you're like, that's your, your, your expertise, but happy is the way not the result. Uh-huh. Right? Yes. Like, again, and we always work like, I have to do all the hard stuff first in life. It can be career. It can be taking care of the family, it can, whatever it might be, our health goals. And so that at the end, then I can be happy as yeah. the result. And when I personally shifted to what happens if I show up happy now, What's the experience of life I get to have the whole way through? Yes. That is like that mindset, mindset shift, let's say it's Lily Allison, has been so um, instrumental and impactful for me to actually live a happy life instead of always waiting or saying it's not enough or let me just do this one more thing and then I can be happy to actually like just decide I get to be happy now and I'm going to create fun and the things that I'm doing yeah. and that, you know, I get to, if I'm cleaning the house, I get to crank music up and, you know, and be silly and that gets to be as much fun as you can make cleaning the house. <laughs> but that I get to choose joy in that moment rather than be upset and be like, well, I can't turn the music on or I can't dance or I can't have fun until the house is clean yeah oh i absolutely love that and i'm so 100 with you on that oh i oh <laughs> boom mic drop hold on totally 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 and now i'm like oh gosh allison you keep dropping all these amazing pearls of wisdom and i want to keep talking with you and we're running out of time for today I think you'll just have to come back so you can keep talking. I guess so. Oh no, <laughs> I would love to. I would absolutely love to continue this conversation. 
Oh my gosh. So that'd be great. Let's do that. And so for right now, I'll go ahead and wrap up uh, for just for today with a reminder to everyone who's listening, please make sure you check our show notes because we'll be dropping Allison's links in there so you can connect with her and get her help and support and make this process of loving yourself and having healthier, happier relationships more fun and easy. Awesome, awesome. And until we connect next time, I just wish you lots and lots of peace and joy.